Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are so ecstatic to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cam Clutter is our 25-year-old barista, and joining <laughs> us here in the cafe this morning is Macy Becker and Eddie Cotter, and we're going to talk about how some of our friends and experiences have helped us on our journeys to sainthood morning, Amanda. Good morning. Can you start us with a prayer? Yes. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day. Thank you for your goodness and for your blessings and for your love. Thank you for dying for us, for coming for us, and for redeeming us. And we ask to just have greater expanded hearts to love you more fully. We thank you for all those that you have put in our lives to help us walk this Christian way of life. And we ask to, to emulate those who have gone before us, especially the saints. We offer all this through your precious name, Jesus Christ, and through the arms of Mary. Amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The church celebrates St. Dennis and St. John Henry Newman today. So two biggins. Mm-hmm. How's your weekend? Oh, it was nice. This is kind of low key. You yeah. Took took a walk, got some ice cream. Yeah. How about yours? Pretty low key as well. My uh, brother Gary and his daughter Anna East were in town from D.C. here for Ohio State uh, homecoming weekend. So we're able to have dinner with them on Saturday night, which was incredibly nice. Mm, what'd you have? I had, well, it's a place I, I'm not going to endorse them because, okay. um, <laughs> but they have very good tater tots. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Have you ever had tachos? Tachos. Yeah. So I actually recently learned about this. It's tater tot nachos. Ooh. Yeah. So instead of chips, you just use tater tots and you load it up like nachos. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Everyone in the cafe is dressed a little more warmly today. Yeah. You, you notice that everyone looks cozy. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Fall weather. Let's jump back into the Wayback Machine for a couple minutes on Friday. Yeah. We had the March for Life, oh, the Ohio March for Life. That's right. And you were able to be there for the opening or for the Mass, mm -hmm. the Respect Life Mass at 9 a.m. at the Cathedral. I was. Yeah. It was amazing. There were so many people there. Busloads yeah. from around the state came in for mm -hmm. for mass and the rally and for the march. And, yeah, uh, the schools were there too. It was great. Yeah, all talking about the dignity of life. And we had a live show here at noon. Peggy Hartshorn and some other friends came in, and uh, Bishop Fernandez joined us live mm -hmm. there as well. So both Bishop Fernandez's uh, homily as well as our live show at noon are both up on the St. Gabriel webpage in our archives. And reminder, folks, that tomorrow, Tuesday, is the last day to register for the November election. And then early voting opens on Wednesday. So as Bishop Fernandez, get out and vote early. And yeah. he said, we could also say often, but that would be illegal. So he was very clear to say that that was illegal. We're not in <laughs> Chicago. Here in Ohio, we vote once, but let's vote early. So... 
Our friends, good morning, Macy, Eddie. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you with us again. Well, I'll tell you, to be uh, to see you guys again and join you this morning, it's a super lottery win. So <laughs> that's a, that's two super lottery wins in a couple weeks. So thanks very much. It's great to meet you, Macy, for the first time, too. Yes, you're welcome. Yeah, I've heard phenomenal things like superstar status. So this is a great day. <laughs> wow. Wow, the word is out. <laughs> a little bit of pressure there. <laughs> <laughs> and St. John Henry Newman. Yes. Is a big one today, especially for our folks at the Newman Center. Yes, absolutely. He's a great man. I'm very excited about this. Anglican convert. And uh, yeah, I think we'll probably talk about more about him in the, uh, in the minutes to come. So we're going to talk about some of our friendships and maybe mentors that have walked with us uh, through our journey to holiness as well as uh, perhaps some saints and life experiences. So, Eddie, maybe you and I, since we have uh, more gray and more life experiences than, <laughs> than our other friends here, maybe we can uh, uh, kick this off. Uh, how about a, a friend growing up? Oh, absolutely. It comes to mind with no trouble at all. He was the best friend I had since I was a little kid. His name was Scott Ryan, and his mother was a very, very holy woman. So we would have been like seventh summers of seventh grade, going into eighth grade, mm-hmm. hanging around the summertime, Mrs. Ryan said, hey, boys, come to St. Mary Magdalene. They're showing a film in the basement of St. Mary Magdalene. It was a Legion of Mary, and they showed the film about uh, the miracle of Fatima. Oh, wow. And I remember at first, you know, being a couple seventh grade guys, it's like, oh, we don't want to go, but we were polite still back then. <laughs> and so we went along with it, and we were the youngest ones there by probably somewhere between – 40 and 120 years we were the youngest ones and i remember and they had the big screen and they showed the film it impressed us so much and they had rosaries for free to give out afterwards that scott and i were so moved by that film and that experience we built a little fort behind the drywall in his house and we would stay back there and pray the rosary non-stop and i can honestly say that that day changed my life forever. And Scott is now actually, he's the president of Dead Theologian Society, which I'm a founder of. Yeah. And here we are in our 60s now. But that moment we talked about to this day when Mrs. Ryan asked us to go to St. Marie Magdalene and watch the film, and it changed everything. We've even talked about going back to that house and knocking on the door and say, hey, you don't know us, but can we, go, can we look behind the drywall? Because we know there's some rosaries back there that we would have left back in our little rosary fort. Wow. But I remember cutting the tongue out of my shoe and making a rosary case for it and wrote Our Lady of Fatima on it. It's the only thing I ever made, the only craft I ever did, but I still have it to this day. Um, but that was a single moment that we still talk about to this day. One invitation. One invitation. Yep. And it was a movie. That's a so movie. awesome. <laughs> it changed everything. Yeah. I grew up Methodist in, in Newark, so you you moved to Newark later. Yeah, I would have been yeah. an adult then, but I grew yeah. up on the west side of Columbus at mm-hmm. St. Mary Magdalene Parish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of my favorite memories um, growing up were in was in the basement of our of our church for family movie nights, and and Methodists do potlucks incredibly well. Oh yeah, and and just joining together with the community, and you know, running around with friends and everything. But it was just very. Uh, inviting and, and just very natural, you know, for us all to come together that way. Yeah. Yeah. One of my oldest friends, uh, a guy named uh, Tom Matthews, uh, was a holy kid and he 
unfortunately had cystic fibrosis in his older siblings. So by the time that we were in middle school, high school, I think at that point he had already lost two older siblings. And there was that reality for him, you know, that, you know, mortality was never far off. Yeah. Ended up where Tom had a double lung transplant and lived into his 50s. He just passed away a couple years ago. But he he had just a depth to him that a lot of <laughs> young American boys don't have. Yeah. But also a real joy. I mean, he embraced life in really profound ways. And really, before I had well long time before i had ever heard of uh the living in the present moment wow he he lived it yeah and uh yeah so we your story yeah. about your friend uh, brought you what, back memories of tom he was there my whole life i remember even on my wedding day at saint patrick's mm-hmm. um i was kind of nervous beforehand thinking i was kind of you know all the people and all i remember my buddy scott looked me right in the face he goes what are you talking about <laughs> he goes this isn't your day. It's for the bride. She's the one that's going to come down the aisle. So when she gets there, give her something strong to hold on to. Be the man. He just turned around and smacked me on the back really hard and said, be the man. Cured me. I was not nervous at all then on the wedding day or anything <laughs> because that great friendship he always had in my back from when we were little kids to now. Love it. Love yeah. it. Macy and Amanda, any any of those invitations that stand out in your lives that, that either corrected a a path that you were heading down or reinforce that you were walking in the right direction? Goodness, I, I have a lot. I have a lot of incredible friends in my life, some from elementary, high school, and most of my solid friends um, are the ones that we just said to each other, hey, we want to be saints, so let's figure out how to do this together. Um, one particular story comes to mind my sophomore year of college was when I had a deeper conversion to the face, my friend Brenna. Um, I I actually asked her to be my mentor because, and she was a senior at the time, but I just saw the way that she was living and I thought it was so beautiful. And I remember very particularly, she called me out. Um, I decided with the Lord in prayer to not date for a year, my sophomore year, because it felt like he very clearly said to me, until you can love me, like you won't know how to love someone else well. And I told Brenna that, and then she had seen me flirting with guys and just like not not really holding true to the promise that I had made. And she corrected me. She, she said, hey, let's go on a walk and called me out. And I just remember two things happening in my heart, like this tension of like, I'm really mad that you did that. And also what a gift to have somebody in my life that can see the path that I was on. And not that it was like in deep mortal sin at that point, but mm-hmm. but another purification like hey if you want to be walking this way here's another thing that you can surrender to the lord and ask him to purify um and i remember that being one of the first of many conversations like that not just with brenda with other friends um and i hold myself to that standard too when i when i say hey i want to be friends with you um that means i want i want to call you higher and i want you to call you higher i actually expect that um in in our friendship so that's beautiful. I, the fact that she was paying attention to you. Yeah. Isn't that great? I mean, those those friendships where you really pay attention to each other mm-hmm. and 
Well, and to understand that very particular part of my heart, right? That, mm-hmm. Like as women in particular, and I think in general people, we desire to be delighted in, we desire to be seen, um, and we find that in ways that are not healthy sometimes. And just recognizing that in me and seeing in my heart, the deepest desire was to be delighted in by the Lord and to be seen by him, to be known by him. Um, but I was I was grasping for you know, one of my other good college friends, um, her name is Becca, and she, you know that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. Mm-hmm. So every time something like this would happen, she would just start singing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, your cue. <laughs> yeah, not even just with men, but just in general. Like, yeah. oh, I'm watching too much TV, or I'm, I'm really stressed about this, like, or whatever, whatever thing we use to try to take the place of the Lord and the love that we ultimately desire from Him. Um, yeah, that song is still in the back of my head to this day. <laughs> Urban Cowboy. I think it was the movie. <laughs> but I, I love that she also just had the courage to call you out, yes. too. Mm-hmm. Like That is a true friend yeah. to not, I guess, be afraid of how you would respond. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's the, the depth of love, right, in, yeah. in the transcendentals of, like, truth, goodness, and beauty, is that when we're seeking the actual goodness of somebody else, which is to love them, to will their good, um, it would necessitate us telling them the truth about their actions. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Right? Like, um, And if we are afraid of losing them, at least we took the risk of telling them what we saw. And maybe we could be wrong, right? And, and they could respond to us, and we can have a healthy dialogue and healthy argument because that's a side note, but I don't think we know how to argue anymore. Or how yeah. to like mm. share points of view without getting emotional or frustrated with with ourselves or others. Um, but yeah, just to take a step back and say, oh, she might be seeing something that I don't see. And we don't like admitting that, right? As human beings, we're like, no, I, I'm very aware of what I'm doing and I think it's okay. Um, but for for her to say that to me and say, you might think that you're aware, but I, I see this happening, and I just want you to know about it. You can do with that information what you will, but you should know so that you can make an informed decision about how you're caring. Because what she said to me, too, was very impactful. She was like, yeah, to, to uphold the dignity of your brothers in this way and just to recognize that even if you didn't mean for that to come off that way, that's what I saw, and therefore that may be how they received it. Um, and just to receive that. That mm-hmm. feedback is really important. That's beautiful. Wow. And I just met you, Macy, but I think I think she's authentic. I think it's stuck because I think she's a really good person. <laughs> so, I'm not trying to be like Mr. Fake here, but you you know, you have a good what's the word, a countenance? Is that the word? Or whatever the countenance? word is. Countenance. Countenance, yeah. I think well you have it too, Amanda. So oh, that's you. nice to be around. So isn't it great to have friends that can help us um, you know, tr- want to be saints because then um yeah it kind of shows if yeah. it's if, especially yeah. if it's if it's really in there mm-hmm. yeah and and that that was the basis of any friendship that you seek you you talked about how you, you and your friends actually spoke about well if we want sainthood let's figure out how to get there yeah mm-hmm. and that was your starting point mm-hmm. i mean if we all took that as our starting point hey sainthood Come on. Yeah. Well, it's so great because, and you know, I just moved here a few months ago, but I just recently in the past month have had this conversation where I just asked someone and it's, we talked about last time, just the clarity of like, Hey, I want to be your friend. 
And for me, it was like, I want to be your friend, but if you would like me to be an acquaintance, like, that's okay. You just tell me what you desire from me. But if I'm going to be your friend, I would like to tell you something. <laughs> and when I want to tell you something, that means I'm, I plan on correcting you and I, and not just like, hey, I just really like telling you what you're doing wrong. It's like, <laughs> I want yeah. you to do the same to me. I want you to feel the freedom to come to me because we can't do this alone. We can't do this journey of sanctity on this side of heaven and allow ourselves to be purified by ourselves, right? We can't, I mean, unless we're called to be Carmelite cloistered nuns or priests, right? (laughs) Like we uh, can't just, we have our relationship with Christ, but then we have to live it out every day. And until we tell other people, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. This is how I'm trying to live it out. So an example would be um, a group of women that I am walking with and we share our discipleship journeys. And one of us was like, hey, I struggle getting up in the morning. Um, I struggle waking up on time. So every morning, if I don't text you, like this is the night before, she said, if I don't text you by the time I wake up in the morning, uh, within five minutes, then there's some hard accountability. Like you all know that this is a goal that I'm trying to reach. And if I don't reach this, then whatever the consequences, right? This, this girl is like, I have to pay each of you $5. Whoa. <laughs> there's five women, six women in the group. So that's $30 a day if, wow. if she doesn't wake up on time, right? That's a whole week's pay for me. <laughs> <laughs> right? But just like that, that seriousness of like, what are we trying to do here? Yeah. What are you trying to do here? And not everybody needs that level of accountability, but like just that recognition in yourself. Like, who are the people I'm surrounding myself with um, right, that that common adage of like your the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, one of them ideally being Jesus, and then who are the other four? Who are mm-hmm. the and what are the things, the characteristics that you are receiving and giving to them? Like who are the five like who are the people that spend the most time with you? Um, yeah, how are you influencing them? Macy Becker and Eddie Cotter are with Amanda and me in the St. Gabriel Cafe this morning. Eddie, were you ever caught up? Now, when when I went to school, I to to college, the uh, the whole yuppie thing was going on. Do you guys ever remember <laughs> hearing that term? I remember. I, it. I've heard it, but yep. what does it mean? I have no idea. Young young urban, urban pro- professionals. Okay. And they nope. wore IZOD, like the little alligator yeah, on the shirt. Yeah, and, and you know, the right like, power ties yeah. and, you know. It's like nice animals for and... adults. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, Never heard of this. Well, I can tell life. you, I was the opposite of a yuppie. I mm. mean, totally. Number one is I had some of the worst study habits in the history of academia, so I wasn't even headed towards a professional kind of uh, groove. I was more of a um, going down the music path and more of a, yeah. a rocker and sports guy. Yeah, but um, I you know, so I didn't I didn't get caught up in the yuppie thing, but it was very prevalent, especially late seventies, sure. early eighties. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, let's bring up something. I just thought of something. Um, early impressions, you know, about great friends and things you have. Um, when I was five years old. And actually, I don't want you to think, wow, he's 62 now. We're going to be here a long time. But when I was five, I remember my father, who knew Santa Claus personally, uh, for Christmas, I received a little set of the Mark's Toy Company. They were little plastic Jesus and the, and the apostles. Mm. And I remember my dad just telling me simple stories about them uh, that a five or six-year-old would understand. So thanks to dad, I remember at such an early age that at least these were the role models. These were the ones to be like. 
they were the, the most courageous, they were the nicest, they were the best. And so having that kind of standard at an early age, um, then it was just like a lifetime of you know, trying to be more like that, and some days are better than others, of course. But uh, just like the, the rosary case I made out of the tongue of my shoe, I still have the plastic apostles and the little Jesus set. And, and take them with me whenever I have to go, like, give talks or things. But um, I just remember, if we can only realize the, the power of a very, like, loving witness that's authentic, man, you never know how things are going to stick. And yeah. I just am really grateful. So that was that direction at five. Now, again, you know, some days have been much better than others in trying to, you know, live like them. But at least I'm grateful that that got that little gift at Christmas. Mm-hmm. The reason I brought it up was uh, we're talking about authenticity. Unfortunately, a lot of the role models that I had in in those young 20s were affluence was, was the goal. Yes. And affluence, and it wasn't until much later that I understood that it wasn't the affluence that was bad because that from the Catholic perspective and the Christian perspective is affluence enables works of, you know, charity. Mm. So that, that overflow from your, from your surplus goes to serve others where we were going down the wrong path. And we, I mean, a good number of, of my generation were pursuing affluence, yeah. uh, with materialism. Mm-hmm. So affluence was a means to, buy toys and adult toys and just not using just stuff, just acquiring stuff. And unfortunately that also, uh, was manifested in, uh, relationships and use using people Mm -hmm. and, uh, both, you know, personally as well as in, you know, professionally, it was all very utilitarian. So as long as you, were uh supported my my goals you know yeah. then then we could have you know this work relationship or this personal relationship but it was all materially focused and it wasn't until much later when i had the witness of good christian men and women that really used their means to support others yes um you know, remember last time we spoke, uh, we talked about St. Patrick had a quote that avarice is a deadly sin, mm-hmm. you know, that, that obsession with getting stuff. And there was a, there's a great saint from Ireland, her name is St. Ita, and she said, three things God most detests, a scowling face, obstinacy in wrongdoing, and too great a confidence in the power of money. Mm. So a couple words of wisdom from two great Irish saints, and there's millions of them, Irish saints, zillions probably, <laughs> but those are two that come to mind. Yeah. It, we were talking about, you know, growing up in, in, in our communities in now reminiscing, looking back, some of the kindest, most giving people that I knew our family knew growing up were those of limited means. Without a doubt. I look at all my aunts and uncles, like our whole clan. I don't think there was anyone that had like a whole lot of money Mm -hmm. but i just remember everyone being like really sweet loving quick to laugh embracing and like visiting all the aunts and uncles and cousins i don't even remember a conversation about 
oh, he has this or she has this or they're loaded or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was never, it was just never a thing. And I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think along those lines, um, just recently I was reading or listening to a meditation and it just talked about, well, one, when we're called to be generous souls, it's it's not just monetarily, but also the recognition as Catholics and Catholic social teaching is that we're not just called to give out of our surplus. We're called to give, mm-hmm. like Mother Teresa said, like give until it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, but the recognition, I listened a few weeks ago to a meditation that said, attention is the purest and rarest form of generosity. Mm. Like paying attention to the person right in front of you, to the Lord in prayer, to the work that you're doing. Um, it's so easy and I'm at fault here as well. Like I, I almost thrive when I can say that I've been multitasking like a million things, but am I actually doing all of them well, effectively to the greatest of my ability with like a generous heart and soul, um, giving my whole self to the task in front of me? To be totally honest, not always, right? Yeah. um, And just that recognition of the saints in particular teach us how to pay attention, particularly to the Lord but also to those in front of us. Every saint has a different story, has a different means of what they paid attention to in light of who they knew themselves to be as beloved sons and daughters of the Lord. So, oh, Good yeah. stuff. Mother Teresa is a great example of that, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Uh, in her ministry there in, in, in Calcutta, it was always the person that was right in front of her, mm-hmm. received all of her attention. And I, if I'm remembering correctly and putting it on, on Mother Teresa, that was uh, one of her greatest criticisms of the United States was, was that lack of attention mm-hmm. that we show those. Yeah, well, she us. also has this quote that says, if you, want to, if you really want to change the world, go home and love your family. Mm-hmm. Right? Like how much we almost idolize work with it to the sacrifice of the, those who we spend day in and day out with who, who are called to love with everything that we have, especially if you're a married couple and a family, like do you pay as much attention to your spouse as you do to, to the detail of your work and as much attention to your children? Um, I am not married. So for me, it's like, do I pay attention to the, those that I work with? How do I invest in them outside of work? How do I serve my roommate? Well, mm-hmm. um, make being at home, like a restful joy instead of, you know, just going in my home after or going in my room after a long day and just not actually being a gift of myself um, in all aspects. So, Well, let's turn it to our youngins here. <laughs> <laughs> College campuses today and or, or young adult uh, friendships. Uh, where, where are the biggest challenges either on campus or among young adults in in having attention? Uh, for others and and paying attention to what's what's going on around you Hmm. you know I had a group of friends who recognized you know just the how divisive the phones can be especially when you're hanging out together Mm -hmm. and so what they did was the first one to pick up their phone has to pay for the whole meal so they they implemented that in their friend group so that Everyone was paying attention to each other. I really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. I think personally, too, like um, when my roommate and I, we tried to have a roommate night once a week. And I told her, like, hey, this is a no phone zone. Like once we start hanging out, both of our phones are away because it, it's almost second nature to like check it every once in a while. Just to see if, it, you know, I remember I think Father Mike Smith at one point was giving a talk on 
just like interruptions and how he had his phone just sitting right in front of him on the coffee table and um, was talking to someone and a message popped up and he looked at it. And it's almost like if somebody were to have come and interrupted their conversation, if you would imagine that person who sent the message were to walk up to the table and like immediately interrupt whatever they were talking about. Like we don't see it that way, but that's what's happening. Like we don't, we're not actually surrendering our attention fully to the person in front of us. And he was called out for it. Like we talked about earlier, like, Hey, like I'm here and I'm a pers- in front of you and I'm a person to be loved. And yeah, I always try to make sure if, if I am meeting with someone say, Hey, I actually have to go to a meeting at this time. So if I'm checking my phone for the time, that's why I'm not trying to not pay attention to you, but just being very clear about mm-hmm. it. But even with attention, right. Um, if you're talking about college campuses or young adult friendships, um, I think part of the issue is that we we think that we need to be deeply like best friends with everyone. And that's not the case, but we do need to have like a few, even just one. I remember the last community that I lived in, I was really lonely and, <coughs> excuse me, um, all I did was say, Jesus, I just need one female friend. And I just prayed. I prayed for her for like a month, two months. Finally met her. Her name's Meredith. She lives in Washington, D.C. now, which is so funny because we mm-hmm. we were roommates in a small town in Kansas together, and now I'm in Ohio. But um, but even that, like surrendering that desire to be seen and to be loved to the Lord so that when we are entering into friendships, we are actually doing it with the right purpose, not just to, to feed our loneliness because then we, yeah, we stay on our phones or, you know, we go – we watch hours and hours of movies and shows and things together. I'm like, we're not actually really connecting. It's not really quality time. Um, and so just that recognition of, like, what are we expecting from people? Uh, but on, on the college campus, like in the Newman Center here at Ohio State, we have um, saints depicted on our stained glass windows. And they were very specifically chosen because they are all friends or connected to each other. So there's Peter and Paul who um, who preach the gospel. There's Andrew. There's um, Tobias and Sarah from the book of Tobit um, who, who are a married couple. There's um, Philomena, St. John Vianney. Um, St. John attributes a lot of his miracles to St. Philomena. There's St. Catherine of Siena and St. Benedict. There's St. Francis and St. Clair, because the recognition is like, hey, you can't do it alone. And so when you're praying, like, look up and look at these people who recognize that same thing and who surrendered that desire to the Lord and who were given incredible friendships that changed the church. Um, Yeah, I think that's really important to recognize. I love that. I I love how intentionally they put those saints. uh, Mm -hmm. Because... Well, you were involved with focus. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And how key is is just, we had talked about uh, invitation before. Right. Just letting students and Eddie, you with, uh, with youth ministry, just extending an in, in invitation, letting other people know that you're available. Mm-hmm. Well, I, that's the call of a Christian disciple, right? They're, the only thing that we are actually ever expected to do is invite. We don't convert hearts. The Lord does that, right? That, like, I remember one particular experience I had when I was a missionary. I was helping with confession lines at the seat conference. And I was really tired. It had been a very long day, and I and I did not want to do it, right? Like, my my everything inside me was like, I just want to go sit in adoration next to these students. I don't really want it to work. Um, 
But my job was, we had these thousands of people going to the confession lines. And my job was to look and see which priest was open and hold up whatever number. And then the person would come to me and I would direct them to the priest. And I remember just as that was happening, the Lord working on my heart in a very profound way. Like, this is what I, this is the only thing I'm expected to do. Say, hey, Jesus is over here. Like, hey, come, come do this thing with me. He's over here. Come to confession with me. Come to pray with me, right? Not all the time. Like mass in particular, if you're not walking with somebody who's already Catholic, is, is a hard first thing to invite someone to. Mm. So just, hey, come to coffee with me. Because when you are a disciple, when you're praying every day, when you're encountering the Lord, like today the gospel is the Good Samaritan. And first, like Christ is the Good Samaritan us. He, he picks us up on the side of the road. He takes us to the inn, which is the church. He, he gives us everything in order to be cared for. And then he asks us, become like him to go out and bring other people in and that in particular when we are being transformed into him into his image and likeness then we become christ to others and not all the time does that necessitate saying his name when we invite them to coffee we just talk about the things that we love if jesus is something that we love someone that we love right one of the five people we spend the most time with then naturally we're going to talk about him Mm, right and like right. that is that is a part of the invitation so i think sometimes we get too caught up in like uh, seeing someone's whole journey before we make the invitation and like oh are they going to be able to do this that and the other or we get like really dejected when they say no to us and it's like well that's okay like that maybe it wasn't the lord's particular plan for them at that point um but the least that we can do the best that we can do is just make the invitation for them to come and then allow it to be what it what it may mm-hmm. actually macy part of your story made me think of when i talk to friends who aren't christian or i'm getting to know someone who who is not a christian i then start to realize wow like actually this is a lot of my language mm-hmm. and you know at first there's kind of this oh am i going to be able to maybe have this conversation with them or or is this too much? Or mm-hmm. is this uncomfortable for them? And and then it's just this realization of, well, th- if this is just who I am, I just have to be authentically myself. Right. And, you know, and I think so many of us sometimes get into this mindset of how do I how do I connect with this person and maybe right. hold back my faith? But mm-hmm. but really, we're not supposed to do that. No. Surely we're not supposed to throw it in their face. No. But we should be authentically ourselves and they should see that. Right. And we should be inviting individuals like the the it's not the purpose of it, but like the recognition that somebody should could at any point say, what what is different about you? And yep. You're like, oh, well, let me tell you, like, have you met Jesus? Like, do you, I would love to tell you about one of my best friends, you know, um, my best friend. And even with that, you know, we had talked about this the other day, Amanda and I, when we went on a walk of like, sometimes how uncomfortable, like when you're living Christian discipleship, it's kind of easy to just surround yourself, right? And important to surround yourself with people who are also striving for sanctity. But there is somewhat of a disservice to people who haven't met the Lord yet or haven't had a deeper encounter with him. And it is a little uncomfortable to put yourself into a position where it's like, oh, these people don't don't speak my language and for lack of a better term. And um, but I think we are also called to be dynamic individuals, right? It's that yes, Jesus is the center of my life. The thing that I spend the most time like on is learning my faith and encountering the person of Christ. But I also love dancing, and I also love going on hikes. And I also, yeah, can 
can live in the world and recognize the goodness and beauty of it and elevate it, right? Sanctify it um, with the Lord. And that's what we're called to do. So when we go into these uncomfortable situations, like going to a dance class that I'm like probably 99.9% of the people in this room probably have heard the name Christ, but aren't actively living as if he is the most important person in their life. And how in their encounter with me do they experience being seen, being loved, being cared for in a way that will foster that conversation long term? Um, I think that's in general the way that I had been formed and focused and and in my college Newman Center was like what one of the biggest parts of my journey was I I didn't go to the Newman Center at all really my freshman year of college. I was like, you know, I'm not totally sure that I want to be Catholic anymore. And it just seemed like an easy like a choice, like a compartmentalization of my life. The only reason I went to mass was because I was afraid my mom was going to call and ask me if if I'd gone and I don't like lying. So <laughs> I was like, well, it's only 1 hour a week. I'll go to mass so I don't have to lie to my mom. And but then the the biggest part of my journey was recognizing that those people that were there, the other students, they knew Christ in a way that I didn't, but they were also really cool. Some of them were athletes. They like were really involved on campus, just involved in a myriad of other things, not just at the Newman Center, not just at the Catholic Center, and that those weren't their only friends, and they were just super dynamic individuals. And they also knew their faith and lived it well. And I was like, oh, I want to be like that, right? Like, And part of my journey was the, the choice of Catholicism. When I grew up Catholic, I wasn't really sure I would have chosen it for myself un- unless my parents had baptized me. And like now I'm like, that is the greatest gift in the world that my parents baptized me Catholic. But I had to find that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's friends help you find that. Yeah. Um, and hopefully people who know Christ are out helping other people find that, right? Macy Becker and Eddie Cotter here in the St. Gabriel Cafe with us this morning. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about friendships and especially friends that we have found in the saints. So stay with us. We'll be right back. A prayer for Ohio. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all of your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and walking with pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. 
This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of trustworthiness is seen in St. Bernard. He lived trustworthiness heroically by acting in a way that inspired people to place their confidence in him. Bernard's judgment was known to be so reliable that when he entered the Cistercian order, his brothers and friends followed him into the monastery. His trustworthiness grew so strong that popes even asked him for advice. Let us ask St. Bernard to pray for us, that we too may grow in trustworthiness. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. Welcome back to the St. Gabriel Cafe, friends. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and we're here in the cafe this morning with Macy Becker and Eddie Cotter. And we're talking about friendships and life experiences that have uh, helped us grow closer to Christ over the course of our lives. And Macy, you have a quote from St. John Henry Newman, whose feast day we celebrate today. Yes, and I think it'll be perfect for just talking about our friendships with the saints and, and how how to just view our lives in light of eternity. So it says, God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me, which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I may never know it in this life, but I shall be told it in the next. I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for naught. I shall do good. I shall do his work. I shall be an angel of peace, a preacher of truth in my own place, while not intending if I but do his commandments. Therefore, I will trust him, whatever I am, I can never be thrown away. If I am in sickness, my sickness may serve him. In perplexity, my perplexity may serve him. If I am in sorrow, my sorrow may serve him. He does nothing in vain. He knows what he is about. He may take away my friends. He may throw me among strangers. He may make me feel desolate, make my spirit sink, hide my future from me. Still, he knows what he is about. I just thought that quote was perfect because recognizing one in, a, in the saints, those who were in sickness, perplexity, sorrow, and knew that the Lord knew what he was about and knew that he was going to use that suffering for good. Um, and that we in particular are created for a purpose and we have a mission. And the saints and friendships with them teach us. They witness to us by the missions that they have fulfilled in the Lord, but then also inspire us to do the same. And he knows who he is. Yeah, he knows what he's about. <laughs> yeah. He kn- yeah. I love that because it it requires a great trust from us. Yes. Like this radical, okay, Lord, I don't see a plan. Everything is falling apart. Mm-hmm. This stinks. And yet, I know you have a plan. Yes. And I know you are working all things for my good. Mm -hmm. That's, I would say, that's the primary goal of becoming a saint on this side of heaven is the deep trust and understanding that God is good and he wills my good. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like we're talking about friendships here and like willing the good of the other. And like, do we actually trust that God wills our good? Um, And we can see that, yes, because we have the the lives of the saints as witnesses, um, but I've moved six times in the last seven years. And so this, this line of like, he might throw me among strangers, make me desolate, make my spirit sink, hide my future. Like, Lord, what, yeah, why am I in Ohio? You know, um, 
I ask myself for that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but he knows what he's about. Yeah. 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 Actually, this reminds me of our, our um, when we we're talking about our Bible characters and the story of David, right? And we asked, well, what kind of, what kind of king would he have been if he didn't go through all those hardships at mm. first? And, uh, you know, a lot of times I think just in our natural human humanness, we, we want to grasp or we want to know or, you know, what does the future hold or mm-hmm. how can I be in control of this situation? And yet that's that's not going to help us in our sanctity. No. Right. Like you had said, Macy, the, the idea of this radical trust despite what comes mm-hmm. is actually what leads us to sanctity. And if if we could use that desire to control and then say, yet Lord, I give this as a gift to you. Yeah. How much that would help us in our own spiritual life. Yeah. And I would just say like one and um, one saint that this has been particular in my life is not only St. John Henry Newman, but St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. She's the first one that Jesus revealed his sacred heart to and just her witness, um, just saying like even the image of the sacred heart of Jesus and inflamed with love for us um, is something that deepens this truth of like, Hey, here's my heart. I, I don't, it's funny. Cause sometimes I think Jesus, he's not laughing at us, but he's like, I literally was crucified for you. Like what more do you want? <laughs> right. Um, but that, that deepening of that truth, like he knows how weak we are and how much we need witnesses and examples and people to encourage us along the way. There's a neat little trivia bit about St. <laughs> Margaret Mary where she detested cheese. She hated cheese. And they served it to her every day. And she just ate the cheese and didn't cry about it, didn't complain about it. So there's a little message there. It's like she kind of offered it up, and it's like sometimes life can be tough, but eat the cheese and don't cry about it. (laughs) 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 You know, um, Macy mentioned another quote. We have a a couple other saints today's their feast. We have St. Denis, the patron of France, and also um, a St. John Leonardi, who's a patron saint of pharmacists. But he had this great quote. He said, those who want to work for moral reform in the world must seek the glory of God before all else. And I think that's, if we seek the glory of God, that way it's not about us becoming celebrity. It's not about doing this so our political party wins the election. It's not, it, there, it doesn't end with secular kind of reasons, which sometimes we can get caught up in popularity and those kind of things. But um, yeah, seek first the glory of God. So that's and Saint it makes John our lives so much more peaceful. No doubt right? about it. No <laughs> doubt like, about it. Whatever outcome, come what may, right? It we can relish in. Okay, that's fine, Lord. You're well. We're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, the, there was a part of being a child with having heroes, right? And really, the, these were always people that. Oh, yeah, you, you you aspire to be like them, but they were so distant also. Like I Neil Armstrong, you know, ah. f- first man to walk on the moon, Ohioan. Wapakoneta. I mean, there there's a, a lot to admire, obviously. And and sports and, and celebrities and all this. There there are things to admire, but the chance of me ever becoming an astronaut. You know, it it just wasn't something I I was serious about pursuing. I mean, you know what I mean? So it's like an idol, a a hero, but I didn't know how to become 
the next Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I miss, and I think we all do miss those people that are among us that we, they can help us. As you were saying earlier, Macy, I mean, these are people right around us that can help us to greatness, mm-hmm. uh, to the greatness that God intends. The world doesn't need a thousand Neil Armstrongs, right? Mm-hmm. right. But through our friendships, through uh, people that care about us and love us, I think we more fully understand God's plan in our own lives so that we can be, have that greatness that he intends for us. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think that's what the, the saints in particular show us is that the reason that they are saints, right? There, there are many saints in heaven. Anybody who is in heaven is a saint. There's just capital S saints that we actually know about. Um, so the desire is to become a saint, whether or not that means that we get a canonization in public in St. Peter's Square or we just make it to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, um, we each are unique and completely unrepeatable, right? In, whether or not we have doppelgangers that look like us. I don't know if you guys have had this experience of people like, hey, I just found this picture of this girl who looks just like you. And you're looking at it and you're like, I don't know. But, um, but that recognition of like, we have a particular piece of the Lord's heart and a particular way that we're called to become Christ in this world at this time, right? I always used to think that I was born in the wrong generation. I honestly wanted to be like in the early 1800s with the corsets and the carriages and and then i think no electricity or like clean water and i was like (laughs) never mind i think i really enjoy um, this generation but um that recognition of and i've had this yearning of like lord what do you want me to do somehow we want this like big thing to fall on our heads of like this is your mission and it's like the the actual mission that we have is to become completely united to christ Mm. and and as we do that, right, even we sanctify the ordinary, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. And that is his will for us. And sometimes that doesn't mean that we're like called to, to be large name speakers or be overly popular or whatever it is. Like, oh, actually, can I pick up my child well from school today? Can I have a good attitude and smile when they they when I open the door for them or when I'm cooking dinner or when I'm doing the dishes? I was just thinking on the way here. Mother Trees has another good quote that I think about often and usually I put it behind the sink of of my workplace or my home um, but it says wash the dish not because it's dirty or because somebody else used it but because you love the person who will use it next mm-hmm. right oh, yeah. and like just yeah do the thing like be be it doing the thing with the Lord um, that's in in mass that the, the quotes that stick out to me most particularly is like through him with him and in him mm-hmm. right not not just doing for him like jesus never really asked us to do things for him he asked us to do them through him with him in him um to be sanctified in in our everyday and i that's what the saints teach us right sometimes we feel like the saints are these like big creatures up in the crowd not creatures human beings but um in the clouds and like we we can't attain like neil armstrong like there's no way i could ever be that well nobody ever said you had to exactly that's exactly yeah well and and i yeah or the lord isn't asking for more saint francis's you know or you know name the saint he's asking for us to be who we are Mm -hmm. and just the realization that he loves each of us that much Mm -hmm. for us to become who we are 
and then through him to be a model for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it gets back to that quote that you shared, Macy, um, of John Newman, of I'm a link in a chain and I have right. a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And he created each and every one of us with a specific purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, not that we should think, uh, oh, what's my purpose? And we just right. want it to fall from the sky. But mm-hmm. but like you said, to do the everyday things with, yeah. with great love. Yeah, we don't need to be overly scrupulous about it either, right? Sometimes when I hear like, oh, I'm a bond of connection between person. If, if I don't do my role, then somebody else sure. is going to be able to do theirs. And like we have to recognize like God is bigger than yeah right like he has his perfect will and he has his permissive will but regardless he brings good right and so we can't get overly caught up in like doing the perfect thing right because then perfect is the enemy of the good Mm. right like then then i just do nothing and like it's it's not just because i have a good intention but if i don't actually do the thing that i feel the pull the call to do then um like it's not going to bring about the Lord's glory or my greater sanctification if I'm just stuck in this um, decision, anxiety, or analysis paralysis, you know? Yeah. Actually, I find myself saying a, a particular prayer every once in a while of, Lord, I think I messed that one up, or maybe I shouldn't have done that, right. or whatever it is. And and it's just like, okay, Lord, uh, I want your outcome. Mm-hmm. So whatever I've set in motion, I believe that you're bigger than it, yes. and you can... You can manage all things well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Blessed Solanus Casey had a great quote. He had a lot of them, but he said, only in heaven will we all be perfectly converted. So mm-hmm. let's let's pray for each other, including poor Father Solanus. So it's kind of <laughs> like, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep praying for each other and encouraging each other along the way. Mm-hmm. Well, there and there's this book called Searching for and Maintaining Peace by Father Jacques Philippe. Yes. I remember one um particular chapter I read I read it during my sophomore year of college when I was having a deeper conversion and he was just talking about how how prideful it is actually to to think that a mistake that we made or a, a bad decision or whatever it was that could ruin the Lord's will right, right? yeah <laughs> like okay but there is such a beauty in our free will and our ability to assent to either what the Lord is calling us to or actually choose the complete opposite um but the mercy and grace that exists there, right? Like the, our God is a God of mercy and justice. And he, uh, if we are trying to unite ourselves to him, will lead us, lead us toward the, the ultimate good. And, and we can't do anything to, to completely mess that up, which is such an incredible yeah. grace. <laughs> right? Bre- like, Brennan Manning has, has a quote, God, God created us in his image and likeness. And then we returned the favor. meaning you know we we make god like us or we think that we're we're recreating him in amanda's image and dave's image and Mm -hmm. that's the way we approach so many things and then Mm -hmm. step back and say well well, actually god you have this you know it it, it's not it's not dave that has to make this happen it's it's not Mm -hmm. eddie that has to make this happen god god's plan hasn't changed Mm -hmm. you know i'm not powerful enough to redirect what God wants to do. I think that's really um, providential that that is where this conversation went, because the first reading today is the beginning of the story of Jonah, right? Mm-hmm. Who who God calls him a prophet and, and says, hey, I need you to go to Nineveh. And, and Jonah says, says no. great, I'm going to Tarshish. <laughs> if you look at the map, it's the complete opposite direction. And right. then God sends the storm and then uh-huh. the whale. And it's just this like 
no matter how much Jonah tries to redirect the plan of the Lord, Mm -hmm. the Lord redirects and and like takes whatever Jonah does and somehow steers it better, you Mm -hmm. know, and converts the pirates at sea and converts the, you know, people of Nineveh and their cows, it says, you know, like God just takes and redirects it always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of, you know, when I have conversations of, with people who are just like, and this is happening in the world and that, and how, what are we supposed to do? And it's just like, well, you know what? I think of the the garden, right? And God made something perfect and then we ruined it. And then he brought something about even more perfect. And now right. we can be with him in heaven. What the heck? Yeah. So God is always about making things better despite mm-hmm. us. <laughs> that, I, yeah. I think it's just the eternal perspective. Like right right now I'm slowly making my way through the fulfillment of all desire by Ralph Martin. And um, I was talking about like Teresa of Avila recognizes like, yeah, if we have a good gra- grasp on what scripture says, the eternal perspective and like this, this idea of mercy, like these, these th- three things, like we will be able to attain sanctity because we have to keep it in right perspective. And I, I remember talking to some people last year at a, an adult formation class that I was helping with. And it was just really heartbreaking to hear um, just how much, you know, how distraught people would get about the suffering of the world. And I'm like, yes, it's horrible, right? It's There's so many things that are horrible, but do you think God wants that to happen, right? Like sometimes we get so distraught and so depressed about these things because some, somehow it's fulfilling our our imagining of God being so distant from us. And I'm like, no, the Lord is looking at that saying, oh, my children, yeah, that's horrible. That's hard. Um, I hate that this is happening. This is not my perfect will, mm-hmm. right? And, but like, just, w- just wait a little longer I, and I'll be with you. And I, not even, uh, just wait and I'll be with you. I'm with you right now. Um, but at this eternal perspective is something we should strive for every day. And that's what prayer helps with. That's what receiving the sacraments helps with. Like this, this understanding of God as loving father, um, as Jesus says, one that it assumes one of my favorite images of in, in, in scripture is, you know, it's kind of confusing to understand like that we make up for what is lacking in the suffering of Christ. Right. And, but if you imagine it, right, if we're all trying to become one with the Lord, one in union with Christ, then, then me, who's a 28-year-old young adult woman, um, the Lord experiences my hardships and sufferings. And, you know, like somebody who's experiencing a cancer diagnosis, somebody who just lost a family member, um, the Lord experiences all of these things in, in different ways. Yes, like, yes, Jesus Christ came as a man, but he experienced the, the weight of the suffering of you know, women who struggle with infertility or um, people who have have these diagnosed diseases or people who are experiencing sufferings of earthquakes, all of those things. So just recognizing that he sees us and knows us. That we're not alone. No. Walk together, friends. Thanks for being with us today in the St. Gabriel Cafe. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 8. Joining us will be Dr. Marlon Delatore on Talking About Meekness. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. God bless you.